0: Kroger,
2: fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
0: Hey everyone, today's guest is Mikey Erg, drummer for the South Amboy New Jersey punk rock band, The Ergs. Together we break down the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the fan favorite song, Pray For Rain, taken off their 2004 debut album, Dork Rock Cork Rod. Mikey was gracious enough to share the demo of this song, a voice recording of just him singing and playing guitar. And the demo is almost identical to what was actually laid down to tape. Producer and recording engineer Chris Pierce was a fourth set of ears in the studio, but didn't go much beyond that role in the producer's chair, choosing to let the band be themselves. This sounds like the Ergs, no one else. They left those happy accidents and slight imperfections be one with the recording, choosing not to line up and tune everything perfectly the band recorded live in the studio save for the guitar solos and vocals the original recording still sounds great to these ears but wait until you hear the new remix version by Steve Albini it absolutely rules so for all this and pissing off punk crowds by playing thrash metal covers your whole set stick around this is a good one hey hey have you heard a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Mikey Erg, how you doing? Hello, how you doing? I'm doing great. I was... Thinking about this intro, I think I'm going to call you Mikey Erg. I'm not going to you know, that's, use your, your your real last that's name.
1: That's my no, stage name, man.
0: Yeah, nobody knows you by that. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> Which was funny about like
1: when I started making solo records, I was like, do I do it under my own name? Do I do it under Mikey Erg? And I did it under Mikey Erg. I'm not sure, still to this day, not sure if it was a good thing or a bad thing in terms of... Uh, did I want to make myself like a different entity or did I wanna like use the name that people knew me by? I don't know. <laughs> Who knows what, what the good what the good way to go about it was. I still <laughs> say
0: that, that D D King's rap career would have been huge if he was D.D. Ramon, but That's you know, true. I'm in the minority there. <laughs> <laughs> But uh I gotta say, I, I know that you you know this because I told you, but one of the ergs last tours that you did on your initial run was with mm-hmm. Less Than Jake. That's right. And I remember, you know, this song in particular was just always a standout, a fan favorite. And, you know, I just just saw the momentum of this band. And then the next thing I know, you're telling me that you guys are breaking up. I said, what? And you know, we don't get into those things on this show, but uh, to say I was disappointed. And then to find out that you came back and you've done subsequent, you know, reunion shows and whatnot, just released some new music last Mm -hmm. year. It's awesome. That's music to these ears. But I just, I loved the band. I love the band because Especially you, I know that you hear uh, nuances, and you've heard me talk about it on this show mm-hmm. of lining everything up in Pro Tools and fixing all the vocals. And that's what the allure for punk rock was to me in the early days. It was a level playing field. You know, I couldn't play fancy guitar solos and all this stuff, but I, I could. I, I knew three chords, right. and I, you know, I tried to develop them and work them as best as I could. Uh, but you guys had this this just reckless abandon kind of sound to your band. It was garagey, it was punky, but it had like this 50s Buddy Holly innocence to it too with, with the lyrics and the delivery. So take us back on this song, Pray for Rain. Do, do you remember writing it? Because uh, you sent me the demo. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I do remember writing it. This
1: song and... Uh, a very pretty song for a very special young lady, part two, and Everything Falls Apart and more, all on Dork Rock, Cork Rod. They were all kind of from the same, the same, like, week, basically, and the same semi. I hesitate to call it a relationship because it, it lasted for about two days. But um, basically, this is like the the song I wrote just getting into this thing. And then the other two are the breakup songs from, <laughs> from that relationship. <laughs> it was right in the beginning of the Ergs, kind of like within the first couple years. And back then, we were even more so than we were towards the end. We, we, we were all over the place. We would like open sets with like... A Dinosaur Jr. cover, and then do a John Coltrane cover, and then do 15 thrash songs, and do and then do a couple of pop punk songs, you know. Like, and in fact, when I wrote this song and a couple of the other ones, Jeff kind of refused to do them for a while because they were like too in the poppy direction, and then eventually we started working on the album because these were written probably like about a year or so before the album was even a thing that we wanted to do. So when we started working on the album, I was like, can we just do these songs? (laughs) <laughs> right. And eventually we, we put our own
0: ergs, ergsy spin on them. Well, it's interesting. The, the demo is almost identical to form. I mean, you know, barring a one word here or there, it was, yeah. it was pretty identical to what it ended up being. Give
3: to me. Just can't wait for the day when inevitably you say I'm not the guy you thought you knew. And we have to talk, and you'll regrettably inform me that you're taking a walk. So in love with you, but I just don't know what to do.
0: And then, of course, uh, and we're going to get into this in a bit. You sent me, and I thought it wasn't out yet, but I found it on YouTube. The Steve Albini mix of the Mm -hmm. song, which sounds really awesome, man. I I think he did a great job on it.
1: Yeah, we purposely didn't try to change it in fact, but we didn't we also didn't reference the original mix either. So it was kind of just like a happy coincidence that we didn't really change all that much. We kind of just beefed it up a bit. My main concern with doing the remix was you know, when we did this record, we did the record to tape, but yes. we mixed it to like at that point, it was dat and I, I honestly think we mixed this to a CDR. <laughs> and then sent the cdr to the mastering guy yeah um you know because that's just the way you know that's what we had back yeah, then. it's the way it was and i remember actively being like i want to mix it to tape and then it was like well no one even works from tape and you know like mm-hmm. th- like i don't even know if mastering engineers had the capability of like taking stuff from tape at that moment or at least they had mastering engineers that we were going to be using right um So, yeah, we mix it to CDR, and basically I was just, I just wanted to, this was a good opportunity to get it
0: into, like, at least high-resolution audio, but we did mix it to tape. Right, well, and Albini's the right guy, because as you know, he doesn't like to mess with the band's sound.
1: Yeah, in fact, he even says, he said, for your fans, you don't want to change this too much. You just want to, you know, we, so we basically just kind of tweaked it a little bit.
0: Yeah. You, well, I, I think you cleaned it up a little bit. It, like you said, it sounds a little beefier, but it doesn't lose the essence of what the original right. track was. At least for me, it doesn't. I just think it, so- it sounds fantastic. But, you know, certainly by 2004, when you did this record, Mikey, there were Pro Tool studios everywhere. Probably more expensive than they are now, but certainly yeah. you pro- probably could have found a spot. Uh, were you trying to keep it pure, going to tape at that point?
1: Yeah, we absolutely that it was it was by choice that we we picked Chris Pierce that who we worked on the album with, and actually did almost 90 percent of our stuff was done with him because we wanted to do it to tape. We wanted a because we assumed it sounded better or more pure or whatever, and and we were always the kind of band that we didn't like fix we you know we do punch-ins here and there if we fucked up a word or something but like yeah we wanted it to sound like us playing you know we didn't want we didn't want to quantize or any of that yeah yeah we purposely we did both both of our records to tape it was only recently or only in the last like maybe a couple singles and and the last kind of stuff that we that we actively started not using tape in fact we were going to use for the second record we had this plan to go out to seattle do this record at egg studios and that kind of fell through for a second. So we were like, Oh, maybe we'll go to Stefan Edgerton and do it with him. That'd be cool. But he didn't do tape and we wanted, we wanted to do tape. Like we, we never wanted to use a
0: computer to record. So, so that was definitely a, a choice. Well, and I, and I gotta say for, for everyone listening right now, I, I can't think of a harder working guy in punk rock. I mean, you're the true definition. I've said it a million times in the show of a lifer. You you've been on the road for the past 25 years of your life. You play drums, <laughs> you play guitar, you play vocals. I'm sure you dabble in other instruments. You played for star fucking hipsters. You played in the dopamine's dirt bike, Annie, houseboat parasites, <laughs> the house <laughs> band on the Chris Gethard show. I could go on. You filled in for other bands. I, I'd see on the work. What are you doing here? Like, Oh, I'm filling in today for like, <laughs> yeah. what? You're like the ultimate utility player on the baseball team. It's like, hey, yeah. go play first base. Hey, go go catch.
1: I've gotten those calls. Or, hey, can you can you make it today to... <laughs> can you go no. to can you fly to Belgium
0: tonight and play a show? No, and it's cool and, and I respect that. For me, I always put my eggs in one band in one basket. I couldn't imagine being pulled that many directions. Some people can. You're one of those people.
1: Yeah. It's it's tough. I'm actually I just started a break of like I'm gonna take a couple months and just chill for because I've been I've been kind of nonstop for the first
0: half of the year. So yeah, and 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 we get that way, don't we? Especially when yeah. you live on the road and you've been in that album tour album tour cycle uh, that 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 a lot of us have uh, over the years. It's hard. It's hard to take a step back and settle down sometimes. But I'm glad to hear you're trying. Yeah, <laughs> trying. We'll see. But you know, what do you think it was before we hop into this thing? You know, you guys released a lot of songs. You've released a lot of songs solo. What is it about this track? I mean, it's just you go look on Spotify. It has the most plays. It's the Mm -hmm. one tune that that your fans gravitated towards. And I hear all kinds of influences within this song. I hear Descendants. I hear Mm -hmm. Scott all uh yep. his you know oh, absolutely in, in this track i hear mr t experience i hear a little bit of weezer i hear uh i don't know uh insert garage band from the 60s in there it yeah. has all these probably smelvis costello in there yeah it has all. <laughs> the, it, it has all those influences what is it about this track you guys have a bunch of great songs and i, I always wonder why certain songs resonate uh, yeah you know i don't i have no idea and
1: But I, I know also that's one of my favorite parts about listening to this show is, you know, people say it nine times out of 10, the best songs that a band has are the ones that just kind of fell out of you that didn't take any, uh, any time to write. And that's, Mm -hmm. I mean, this, this song was written in two and a half minutes, like that (laughs) demo. Yeah. I can't, I can't remember precisely if that demo was just me freeform, or if I had written the lyrics down really quickly and put it down on tape, but it was
0: essentially the way I the way I wrote it was the way it's played now. I almost thought that what you sent me was an isolated vocal and guitar track of the track at first. It <laughs> sounded it sounded identical to it, the demo. Yeah. If you listen
1: to it you can tell it's it's probably about three AM. Uh <laughs> You know, I'm 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 much younger and groggier sounding. So I used to live in a recording studio that my dad owned, and I lived in the I lived in the house above it. And you'll you'll like this factoid that it's the it's the recording studio that "Slippery When Wet" was demoed at. Oh no way! In, Sarah, in Saraville, New Jersey. So basically, I had the run of the place, and I could just come downstairs. Yeah, everything was soundproof. I could come downstairs at three in the morning and make full band demos if I wanted to, which I have I had done. Uh, but this was just me, uh, in in our little little studio B mix room, like recording to a cassette tape. But yeah, it was written in the time it took to play it. Really,
0: that is so cool. You had to be like a, a, a kid in a candy store. In this case, a it was kid awesome. in in a, in a recording studio. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, if anything, if I just got an idea, I want to do a cover of blah blah blah. I just go down and record it. And was your father,
0: or is your father a musician?
1: Yes, he he's a drummer. He did he played uh, drums in in a pretty successful cover band in in New Jersey for a long time and then and but also had the studio since like the mid 70s. That's super
0: cool. So when you wrote the song, you said it was very quick. The the song is track 6 out of 16 on the record. So it's not necessarily buried uh, on the album, but it's just kind of like another song. Did you have the lyrics? already written or do you like to sit down and say you know i'm just gonna let the magic happen start playing some chords and and humming a lyric or
1: yeah that's basically that's how it that's how i usually work is i will just start strumming a chord or like sometimes i'll be i don't know walking around or doing something and, and, and and a chorus will pop into my head um but I, with this one, I think I just started. I think I just started playing it and singing it, and it just kind of popped out. I was
0: feeling it. Okay. Now you said when you showed it to the guys, to Jeff and Joey, that they were a little hesitant at first, or, or yeah. Or what was the overall uh, consensus? I don't remember
1: why, but I think Jeff just thought it was a little too poppy, like a little too pop punk. Because like I said, back then we were doing, we were doing a lot, we were a lot thrashier. We were kind of doing more like, more like Descendancy where it was like, you know, it was, there, was, there was melody there, but it was definitely more of like a, you know, let's let's go as fast as we can. And, yeah. and this, I definitely was like my my kind of Elvis Costello-y, uh,
0: Beatle-y influences just kind of poking out and i swear all those bands were from jersey and you're gonna laugh at this but i just all the vfw moose lodge basement shows we did in jersey in the early days okay there would always be some band on the bill you know it'd start at 12 noon at some church go till 10 <laughs> right. o'clock at night and there'd be some band sandwich would be like you know Scon pop punk the whole day and then mm-hmm. this band the ergs or whoever would come on at yeah. four o'clock and they would like open up with an exodus cover and you'd be like well, what's going on and then like the whole set they wouldn't play any other songs like we're just playing covers today and you'd be like what and i always love that band so i always respected we were definitely it. we were we were absolutely that band like <laughs> we would we, you'd be lucky if,
1: in the early days if we were playing our own songs we do like every Minutemen song black flag replacements uh we were kind of known as that <laughs> any uh, any song you can think back that would that could clear a room in five seconds flat uh, we used we used to open with "Don't" by Dinosaur Jr., which is <laughs> the last song on Bug. It's literally just Lou Barlow screaming, "Why don't you like me?" over and over again. We, I remember we played a, a quote unquote emo show. We're like, fuck it. We're just going to do don't for 25 minutes. And that's what we did.
0: And we did not make any fans at that show. No, no. I... I i love that though because i'm telling you i think it's a jersey thing too i can't tell you how many times i saw that I- exact yeah, thing happen I'd it always, could I'll, be
1: i mean it's just it's in our blood <laughs>
0: yeah well i want to jump into this tune and you may have heard me say this mikey because i know you I know you're an avid listener to the show but there are songs that are four four and a half minutes that if they're just constructed so well it just goes by in a flash mm-hmm. this song's interesting It's only two minutes and 21 seconds, but it feels like a three minute song, not in a bad way. That's funny. Yeah.
1: I was about to, I was going to joke that, uh, that this was going to be the shortest episode of Kristen makes a podcast.
0: <laughs> no, a- actually not. And it was, it's surprising because there's so much packed into this song, especially, you know, <laughs> and I don't know if you're, if you're more cognizant of this now, you're like an auctioneer here on some of these lines. <laughs> I don't know how you get all the words in and how you enunciate them so well. It's, it, it's pretty impressive. <laughs>
1: There was probably a bit of Chris Pierce saying, like, can you not garble that uh
0: <laughs> that line? Yeah, R- Roger calls them throwaway words. I'll do a lot of um when I start. Yeah. Or, I, you know, these little things like, what are you yeah. doing there? Don't, <laughs> yeah, don't do that. Yeah, like, yeah, You know, like, he's like, I, I can't even edit it because I can hear the breath going into the next word. Like, stop doing that, you know? I put W in front of I. So, like, why do you? Like, if I'm
1: trying to say I, I'll start it with a W. wuh. I don't know yeah. why, but it's I do still. I do an H.
0: I do a high. <laughs> high. Yeah. And Buddy hates it. He always calls me out for it. He's the one. So, uh, one thing off the top of this track that I noticed a difference with the Albini mix is uh on the original version, it's just straight. The whole band eight bars all in. Stereo guitars, bass, and drums. And the drums are just hammering away on that crash cymbal. But for Steve's remix, there's a big snare fill that starts it off. Yeah. Did he take that snare fill from another part of this song? I think I know where. If he did, no,
1: it, no, it's 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 there. It's there on the because on the album version, the regular album version, it comes right out of a song called "Most Violent Rap Group," and uh, "Most Violent Rap Group" ends with you know. Uh, jugga, 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 jugga,
0: jugga. interesting i couldn't find a version i looked for and they all they, they're no, missing the, the snare s-
1: the, the snare roll is there but when we when we did the remix i took the opportunity to just like because over the years i've definitely heard people complain about how that song is just is glued into the album like you can't. It, it was so hard to put it on mix CDs or playlists yeah, or whatever because okay. it just is a jarring like cut. So I thought it would be cool to just isolate it. Yeah. So we basically just we just muted the guitars until they come in on the on the on the one and and started with the uh,
0: snare roll. That's interesting, because we get the big snare fill after verse one before we go into pre-chorus one, and I thought maybe Steve had lifted it from there, because I'm assuming he mixed this in Pro Tools, no? He, well, we had to transfer,
1: so that the, we recorded the album on 16 track, one inch, uh, and the tape stock was from the early 2000s, so it's of course kind of screwed now so we had to we had to bake it and transfer it to pro tools so we we took it from pro tools and then and then mix it through tape but he did every he did all of the manipulation and all the outboard gear and stuff was was used through the board uh the only thing we really did in pro tools was isolate like the tom we took all the like extraneous noise off the tom tracks and sure, like, sure. You know, stuff like that and like you know kind of cleaned up the beginnings and endings so that they were a little cleaner but we didn't do any there were nothing was done in the box in terms of Uh, like effects
0: or anything like that okay okay interesting well it's it's eight bars it's just really loud here it's just i'm going to use that term again there's like a little bit of of reckless abandon that's happening here and then we get in uh to verse one and (laughs) this song too you know i i'm calling the chorus something that comes comes a bit later but it almost sounds like a chorus right off the top of this song the whole thing sounds like a chorus to me Yeah,
1: I don't think there is a chorus.
0: Okay. (laughs) Like, there's a lot of songs where I just
1: don't write choruses... Okay. In, of course is in the uh general sense of the term where there's a there's a, that's the name of the song and and that's what's repeated the uh, th- three
0: times in the song. yeah the refrain and we, yeah, we had refrain. A, less than Jake's had a had a thing for years with that you know our song titles never matched what the what the lyric was typically and the Dillinger beat, four way you know the Dillinger <laughs> four you know yeah double whiskey Coke you know ice whatever it's like you got that, it you never say that in the song once you know nope. But, um, but you know, before we go further, I want to mention something. I don't know if we ever talked about this in the show. Very briefly, you mentioned baking the tapes earlier, you know, mm-hmm. and for the listeners out there, you know, if you have tapes sitting around for, for a super long time, you actually have to go through a process of making sure that the stuff is still actually on the tape and it hasn't corroded off the tape. Yeah, there's a
1: certain bunch of different types of tape, st- tape stock and from certain eras that just I've, whatever formulation they were using, just it just did not last. Like, mm-hmm. And the part of the tape that the information is actually recorded on starts to fall off of the tape. And if you bake, you, you put it in a very low degree oven for about 24 hours or something. And, and that kind of like adheres the tape back together mm-hmm. so that you can play it once. And then it kind of deteriorates again. You can rebake it if you need to, but it's good to just kind of yeah back it up (laughs) yeah i read a
0: a crazy article years ago with tom shoals from boston Mm -hmm. you know they were in between records fighting with with cbs records years ago uh about a delivery of a record it ended up being like eight years and when they went back to work on the album you know they had to literally bake all these tapes and and they they thought that they were destroyed so um interesting you brought that up but verse one
3: with you, so I thought I'd try something new And write a silly song about just what your smile could do But it's just not working out, and now I'm having my doubts It seems that brokenhearted love songs are what I'm all about
0: by the way, if you have any uh, disagreements of what the verse pre-chorus or the chorus is here, we, we can debate them. Okay? Yeah, it's
1: funny. I, I, I Like you said, <laughs> but I, there, there's a lot of words in here and I was regretting not sending you the lyrics, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see how no, you do.
0: I, 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 <laughs> I, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if the old ear is still working here. I'm so in love with you, so I thought I'd try something new and write a silly song about just what your smile could do but it's just not working out. And now I'm having my doubts. It seems that broken hearted love songs are what I'm all about. That's right.
1: (laughs) So yeah, that was basically like, I thought it would be fun to, because all of my songs were, you know, breakup songs at that point. And I was trying to figure out a new spin on a breakup song. And so I decided to write, a song about wanting to get broken up with, so
0: that I could write the song about <laughs> about the breakup. And isn't that so true? <laughs> that when 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 we're riding high and we got a little money in the bank and there's a loaf of bread on the table, uh, it's like it's it, <laughs> it, it, it's hard to be angry and come from the heart and, and write a song, right? Yeah, it's like all that's all I knew how to do at that point. So I was just like, let me.
1: Let me wish for this breakup and be careful what you wish for because it did happen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the band stops on verse one here as the guitar panned off left continues playing. The guitar panned off right is fading out as it on the ring out there, and the hi hat is here, uh, just kind of uh, keeping time. And I, I love the subtlety of, of that hi hat here. It could have been a number of things, but it's, but it's very simple. And that
1: was by necessity. That we did that. We did it live, so. I'm, I'm keeping the time.
0: There you go. I, I have I, to. <laughs> I was going to ask about that too. It seemed like there's some push pull here. I didn't think this was on a uh, on a click.
1: Yeah, we didn't do it to a click. We just yeah, we basically did it all live and then overdubbed the vocal basically. And the the guitar on the right is me overdubbing the guitar uh, overdubbing a rhythm guitar.
0: Okay, well that was what else I was going to say, and it, and it was interesting because it sounded like it was two kind of different styles, which it is two different people playing it. Yeah if that was Jeff both times in each speaker I was wondering if that was you know uh, by choice to kind of change it up it's definitely not a mere mere image there we purposely used different
1: amps too and different guitar I think I used the SG and he used Chris's uh Dan Armstrong I think for oh wow for, for most of the most of the record
2: out
3: so
2: Hey, everybody, stick around. We got lots more Krista makes a podcast coming up with special guest Mikey Erg after a few words from our sponsors.
0: Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with HyperFollow and create eye-catching visuals with a Spotify Canvas generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com VIP demakes. That's distrokid.com VIP
2: demakes. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll To Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pass To Dutchie, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like The Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come, baby, come, and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. Me so. And now,
0: back to the show. Well, halfway through here on, but it's just not working out. Uh, The bass and the drums, there's like this two hits that happen there and the guitar panned off right comes in and that guitar is now doing some moving chords. Mm -hmm. Uh, The last line, we get that big snare fill I was talking about earlier. I thought that was the one that maybe Steve lifted and put it (laughs) it at the top, but it's just another cool snare fill. Uh, Another thing about the way that you play drums, you know, i'm not a drummer i wish i was because i feel like for this song especially on the demo you sent me when you get into the uh guitar solo part and we'll talk about it there's this like this weird like three cymbal hiccup that happens in there that you actually were playing that on the demo with just Mm -hmm. you and a guitar It sounded a little odd on the demo, and that part works musically, but it's definitely, definitely a little strange. And I, I always wish again that I was a drummer because you can really, you know, feel those things. What was coming out yeah. of your hand on the guitar ended up making it to the drum kit.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a drummer first, and I, you know, I that's the first first instrument I learned how to play. And yeah, I I, I really only pick up picked up the guitar because I wanted to write songs. Mm-hmm. And I needed something, some way to uh, accompany myself, and to this day, I basically decided not to learn anything other than how to accompany myself on the guitar. So I can't play any leads. I can't play any. You know, I'm just a, I'm a, a rudimentary rhythm guitar player, and it was. It's only because I wanted to write songs.
0: Yeah, but there's something I think special about that too. I've been careful to. You know, I'm, I've been kind of a rudimentary guitar player myself within the context of Less Than Jake. And as I've grown and, been you know, whatever, matured as a musician, I've, I've learned other stuff. But, you know, you're, you're cautious sometimes to bring that into your sound. It can muck things up. Yeah. You know, I mean, unless you're and that's what you're going for, which they're like, I think they're kind of like the rush of, of uh, <laughs> punk rock at this point. You know? Certainly, yeah. Which, which is awesome. Pre-chorus one, the whole band is in here. It's a killer groove. Bass part is super rad here that crash symbol you don't let up on this it's just kind of going through this whole track
1: yeah that's probably a like i always I, i crash on my ride that's like yeah if i'm playing a ride i'm not going soft on it i'm i'm crashing
0: yeah you're not just kind of hitting the bell or anything you're you're, yeah you're you're going for it there well the lyric is while i'm sore from the smiles that you've given to me just can't wait for the day when inevitably you say i'm not the guy you thought you knew when we had the talk and you'll regrettably inform me that you're taking a walk it's when we have (laughs) have the talk okay have was what was on google i changed it to had because i swear that's what you're saying there yeah, when we have
1: the talk. Like, when you tell me that you're breaking up with me, that's what you're going
0: to say. <laughs> when we have the talk. Okay, okay. I also, and you guys were never ones to, you know, really have any backing vocals. Was there a conscious decision to keep backing vocals off this track? Because there's certainly room for it. There's no conscious
1: decision other than, like, I didn't have any ideas, and no one else had any ideas. So so we just didn't, you know, didn't do it. This album was done pretty kind of quick and dirty like you know i mean basic tracks were done in a couple days and to i think we did sporadic sessions throughout like a month or something but like it was probably done in like four or five sessions including mixing maybe yeah um so yeah we just didn't we didn't throw anything on there that we didn't have specific ideas about you know uh and even like s- there's certain things that are just like kind of percussion things and that was just like oh it'd be funny to put this guiro on this one part and and mix it really loud like just stuff like that just stuff we thought would be funny and catch people off guard because we were still still kind of fucking with people even even when we were making our record but, yeah, we, yeah no, no real reason other than, like, I just didn't have any ideas, you
0: know. Most, of, a lot of this stuff, what you're talking about, gosh, it, just, it brought such a smile on my face, Mikey, because I'm thinking back to, you know, our first couple of seven inches of records, like, we were throwing samples and weird noises right. on everything. And I look back now, and, yeah, nine times out of ten, it's pretty cringy, but this yeah. works here, this works. <laughs> Verse two. Uh, the whole band, stereo guitars, drums, and bass, yours just still slamming away. That crash yeah, cymbal just right in,
1: right into that second
3: verse.
0: This may be my favorite lyrics of, of the tune. I love what it's saying here. So in love with you. But I just don't know what to do. It seems I lose my inspiration when my heart's not unglued. Now I welcome the pain. Oh yeah, I'm praying for rain to bring some dark, black, cloudy sadness to this warm, sunny day.
1: More, more of the same sentiment, you know. Just give it to me. Give me that. Give me those rain clouds. Give me that. <laughs> it's funny. I, I always kind of cringe at that "heart's not unglued" lyric because I just don't. I. Don't know whether it's awkward or not, but it sounded cool to me, so I just—it's—it's uh,
2: uh, it's
0: definitely <laughs> awkward. It's <laughs> awkward as hell, but it's—it's it, it's great. There again, there there's a vulnerability. I haven't used that word to this song yet. You sound like like you're almost unhinged singing this. Like you're well, almost on on the brink of crying. Yeah,
1: Kelly Clarkson was on Howard Stern the other day, and she was talking about how they were talking. Uh, I guess uh, some someone she co-wrote a song with. Uh, this woman Gail I think is her stage name and um, she's like a 19 year old kid and she just uh, Kelly was talking about how like there's just that that urgency and that the, the thing that comes with youth and you know everything is the end of the world and that's exactly how I w- was sort of referring to like my current songwriting versus my songwriting in the ergs was, I mean, it was the end of the, I was 21 years old when I wrote that, when I wrote this song, like it was the end of the fucking world. Like everything (laughs) was, everything was over. Yeah. You know, like, so I I miss, I miss having like the, but you know, when you grow up, you realize it's not the end of the world. There's, there's, you know, life goes on, but I kind of miss the, you know, the putting that urgency in the, uh, in the songs,
0: like the, the urgency Yeah, urgency. Yeah. No, it's crazy because the fact that you said that, I just fully got the the chills because all I've ever known from you, especially when you guys, you guys pull up in the van and like crack a beer and like the party was on. You were just... (laughs) You were this fresh-faced kid. You were just happy, and you were always talking about nuances of music, and mm-hmm. you know, you're you're kind of like Stefan from Descendants in that aspect. It's always about songs and music, and you, this yeah. guy. And to hear you say no, it was like in my head, it was the end of the world. I was just yeah. con- I was confused about love and confused about life. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah,
1: it's it's funny to like, yeah, just think about it. that's that's like the difference between the ergs and like anything I do everything anything I've done after that is just like it's just a different type of songwriting I feel like you don't you don't do those that type of song for better or worse you don't do that type of songwriting once you past a certain age
0: yeah yeah well we talked about this a second ago i'm (laughs) kind of chuckling at my notes here on this uh on verse two i wrote word jumble at its finest but you can feel (laughs) but you can feel and hear the desperation in the delivery of the vocal great enunciation by the way (laughs) excellent yes
1: yeah i'm sure i'm sure there was a bit of chris
0: saying like do it again enunciate more i can't i can't understand what you're saying (laughs) I was going to ask about Chris's role. I mean, it sounds like he came in and just captured the band. But it sounds like when you went to do the vocals, that he would say little things. How, how did yeah. that help you? I
1: mean, yeah, one of the one of the reasons we liked working with him was because he was a you know kind of hands off. He wasn't he wasn't telling us to do the uh, to put a bridge in or you know do the yeah do the chorus a third time or anything like that. He was just there to capture everything. But he was. You know, yeah. When I was doing the vocals, he he'd do things here and there, like oh maybe try that a little higher, or like he would always say like smile because like when you smile, you you you're a little less pitchy, I guess, or something. Like he would always have like those. It was he was very helpful when I was doing the vocals, definitely because he would give me pointers and and things like that, and we we doubled a few things because. He was very into doubling, and he would. He, and he convinced me by saying that John Lennon used to double, <laughs> <laughs> and I never knew. I was just, I, I, yeah, I never knew what, what that, what made those Beatles records sound like that. But it was the doubling of the vocals. I still don't really love my vocals doubled, but uh, the choruses are doubled in this song. And actually, the on the Steve Albini version, it's
0: those are brought out a bit more which i I think is kind of cool actually i could hear it i thought i thought it was really cool well pre-chorus comes right on the heels of verse two here there's a slight lyric change here. There's no while I'm sore. It just starts off with sore from the smiles that you've given uh-huh. to me. Just can't wait for the day when inevitably you say, I'm not the guy you thought you knew when we have the talk. That's right. And oh. you regrettably inform me that you're taking a walk. And I think, I think Mikey, wha- that grammatically confused me and why I, th- why I thought it was have. It's you say, I'm not the guy you thought you knew when we had. versus you knew when we have the talk have hasn't happened yet it's a little confusing but i love the wordplay
1: yeah it's kind of like
0: in my mind in my 22
1: year old mind or whatever like she's actually saying you're not the guy i thought i knew and but we're having the talk at that moment when she's saying that i
0: think is is what i'm (laughs) i think that's what i'm going for there (laughs) Gotcha. And how did this happen, if you recall? Did, did producer Chris Pierce say, hey, you, you can't get in all this on, on on this pre-chorus. You can't get in the while I'm sore. You're just going for sore. Do you remember? It was probably just me
1: knowing that I couldn't fit that wall. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
0: It was pro- it's, pro- it's, pro- it's probably me just not being able to fit it in and just to, <laughs> where, to where you left off on a warm sunny day in verse 2 uh, it would probably it had to have been an overdub to, in, yeah. and again you're thinking in a live setting and that's why this feels live and it was right. cut live because mm-hmm. you know at least at this point in, in your career you're still thinking from a live sense we did too Our, my, my first yeah. records were always like well how's this going to translate live and the first producer I ever said to me well that doesn't matter we're making a record it's different I was like what are you talking about? Like, all You're I know gotta is live. <laughs> yeah. All I know is live, you know? Yeah. But uh, besides that slight lyric change, it was the same there. And then at all of 58 seconds, and I can't believe how much information <laughs> has hit me as a listener up to this point. Again, it doesn't feel like it's only been a minute, it feels like a full. Big complete song It's here. actually funny
1: When you told me How long the song was Because I, I thought It was way shorter than that Oh you did
0: Okay, <laughs> like, okay.
1: I, I, I was like This song's only like A minute and a half long <laughs> um, But 58
0: seconds were in what I, I'm calling this part The chorus Yeah It's the only part That repeats <laughs> And
3: I write you The perfect song And you can sing along Yeah you can sing along yeah could write you the perfect song and you can say yeah,
0: and I, I think you mentioned a second ago that uh, there was some vocal doubling on this song I had' in, uh, written down was this double this is where I hear it
1: it's only when I compared the the old mix and the albini mix that i realized that oh yeah it is the double is way more prominent than the uh, in the remix i'm sure i made chris turn it down on the original mix because i was anti-doubling
0: at that point (laughs) something that i haven't talked about too much on the show that i want to bring up right now it's where the downbeat is on the on this lyric so i'm going to read the lyrics real quick and i could write you the perfect song and you could sing along yeah you could sing along Yeah, I could write you the perfect song and you could sing along. Yeah, you could sing along. The downbeat here is I. The and is still kind of attached to the Mm pre-chorus. And I never thought about that. You know, when when the chorus comes in on the one beat, on that downbeat, your lyric a lot lot of times in songs, a lyric can start before the chorus, the chorus lyric. It can start on the beat or the beat can come in and the lyric could start after. It all depends how you want it to hit the listener. I love where it hits here. I certainly pro- I don't think I was thinking about that, but it's just,
1: it's just what happened when I, when I played it. Right, because it could have been, Jing,
0: I could yeah. write, but it's not. It's I right on the downbeat. And yeah. those are things that as a younger songwriter, I, they never entered my mind. When I had a producer bring that to me one time, he's like, well, yeah, the chorus could start somewhere else. I'm like, what do you mean? The chorus yeah. starts right here. He's like, yeah, but look where your vocal is huh he's like yeah back back your vocal up a little bit now that that's what i wanted to hit harder and i never thought about that well that's funny i mean because i'm
1: sure it was the opposite for me it was just me not knowing what i was doing and starting there you know (laughs) Uh. yeah
0: (laughs) which is great too and isn't there something beautiful about not knowing things like that
1: yeah i mean i think some of the best songs are written by people who don't know what they're doing (laughs)
0: I know. And sometimes I overthink stuff. And sometimes I have to hand off things to my bandmates or a producer and say, I don't know what's best for this part. I don't. I I was hearing it this way. And now you guys are telling me something different. Now now my head's going, you know, and and that's... uh, You know that that that's good and bad i've i've learned i've learned to to harness that but it can definitely get uh you know get you a little bit scatterbrained in the studio uh the band goes halftime on the last line here for a second before this drum fill uh takes us into the guitar solo You know, I hear a little Stefan Egerton in this solo. I hear a little Mm -hmm. Weezer. I hear, uh, again, I'm going to use the term garage rock. Just kind of, the the solo's cool. Was that something that that you guys have been been playing in the jam room? Or did that just happen when you recorded it?
1: I don't know that Jeff plays the same solo ever twice. You know, I think even when we do it live every time, it's it's slightly different. Um, Like, unless it's like a riff that we've, Home, you know, J- Joe and Jeff used to just kind of like, you know, in, if there's a verse, like a, bla- a break in the vocal, they'd put a riff there, like, do-do-do-do-do, you know, something like that. And that stuff kind of st- stays the same. But I I feel like I've noticed that Jeff, like, doesn't really... I mean, he sticks to the the feel of it, but I don't know that, like, the exact... I think it was probably just an improvised
0: solo mm-hmm. uh, that, that just worked at the time. Gosh, I wish I could do that. Even with my vocals, like, I... I just find like I I try to stick to certain things and and I don't I don't go too much outside of that box and there's other guys that that just can't understand that train of thought at all they're right. more like yeah. they're, they're they're more like Jeff going no 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 I'm just gonna play with feeling from the heart and right you know
1: yeah I feel like that's what he does and there but you know there's there's definitely some Stefan in there there's definitely some uh, Greg Gin uh, influence uh, but yeah he. He, I'm
0: sure he probably just played that solo once and then never mm-hmm. played it again. <laughs> right around bar three in this solo, bar three of eight, just before it, we get that one two three that weird symbol Mm -hmm. thing that you do that was on the initial demo i say weird it's not weird musically it's just it's a it's a little jarring coming in there and again i just think that's so cool that i i heard your percussiveness of your right hand playing that part on on the demo and it it, it got translated uh because as you said first and foremost you're a drummer
1: Yeah, I can't remember if I dictated that to them or if it was just in the demo and I just did it and they followed along with me or whatever. Yeah. Like I don't remember I don't remember saying like this has to be right here at this at this time, but but it was obviously in my head the entire time.
0: Well, we get uh, out of this solo, we come right into pre-chorus three and you know this this part again all three parts the verse the pre-chorus and the chorus they're all just so catchy in their own right and it's interesting what i'm calling the chorus in this song only happens twice but the pre-chorus right. happens three times <laughs>
3: right so while i'm sore than the smiles that you're giving to me just can't for the day when inevitably say i'm not the guy you thought you knew when we had the talk and you're regretting me that you're taking a walk
0: and we only get a slight lyrical change on pre-chorus three. It's so while I'm sore. You get mm-hmm. a so in there. So you're there you adding go. more words at the end of the song. So <laughs> I had more room. I wasn't singing before it. <laughs> so again, and I'm assuming that uh, that was just kind of off the cuff. We, we yeah, weren't I'm, uh, co- I'm sure, we yeah. weren't copying, pasting uh, the second pre-chorus into here in Pro Tools. Everything yeah. was the tape. I'm sure I, I probably did one take.
1: vocals and then fixed whatever pitchiness or whatever Mm -hmm. um i'm not sure exactly how i did it but i know i know i would he would just let me go and it was to tape and
0: we you would punch like anything that was wrong yeah just come back in and yeah and uh and and fix a word or fix a line so pre-chorus three the ride cymbal is now keeping time i like that Mm -hmm. okay Mm -hmm. you get away from that hi-hat at the top It's a a breakdown here. Am I hearing bass harmonics in here with sporadic bass notes?
3: I
1: think, man, you know, I haven't paid attention to it in a while. I think
0: there's some harmonics. And then the other thing I noticed, Mikey, was, and I don't know what the proper term for this is, I'm calling them neck string plucks. So it's mm-hmm. like down by down by the, the tuning pegs. Okay. Oh the yeah. You know when you take a pickup there, is that yeah. what's happening kinda of panned off left? I'm hearing that here. That is the, and that that is not in the Steve Albini mix. Huh. It
1: I mean it could be. I'm not sure. I'll have to listen to it. Jeff wasn't one to do that really, so I don't know. <laughs> okay. It could just be some weird uh some weird I don't know noise that was <laughs> the... okay. But yeah, it's... it's weird that it's not on. If it's not on the Albini mix, I wonder. Wonder, yeah, I wonder. I'll have to listen to it.
0: Where it's mixed on the original recording, it's definitely there, and it's like, what is this? Hmm. You know, it it's like it almost sounds like if it was mixed louder, it wouldn't be long. And I'm wondering if that's what Albini heard, and he's Maybe. like, this doesn't really need to be here.
1: That is one of the cool things that he would do is like if he heard something that he thought would be better enhanced, like he would, he would turn that up for like he'd ride the fader for a second for like there were a couple of like little flourishes that I would I did in the right that you know he would he would kind of bring up and bring
0: down. So yeah, maybe he decided to mix that out. So if any listeners out there know what a headstock string pluck. You know, it's it's like a horror movie sound. Is there a name for that, Mikey? I don't know. Uh, it's a, yeah,
1: a, a little plinky, plinky.
0: Yeah, I, I need to record <laughs> it now. I got my guitar here. I needed to show, it, it's this sound for the listeners. It's, yeah.
1: Listen That's... to the beginning of Tourette's
0: by Nirvana. There you go. Oh, yes. Or, or, or any uh, Michael Myers Halloween movie. At the That's start right. Of it. Uh, <laughs> well, we come out of pre-chorus three and we're into chorus two
3: you the perfect song And you could sing along Yeah, you can sing along when I write you the perfect song About how everything's gone
0: and i could write you the perfect song and you could sing along yeah you could sing along and then the little break here between the first and second half the bass run here is just oh, incredible yeah. I it's love it's so good how much were you involved with with joey when he was tracking like did you get in there and get involved no 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 never like he he would just do what he what he did, we left him to his own devices. He doesn't get mentioned. I think it's un- un- unfair. He doesn't get mentioned a lot in the circles of what a great bass player and the no. parts he came up with.
1: Yeah, it's it's true. I mean, he's he's. I mean, he's definitely the best bass player I've ever played with. And and it's funny to. I've known him since you know early high school, and that's when he started playing. I knew him when he didn't know how to play bass, and all of yeah. a sudden he just worked so hard at it, and within a few weeks he was just incredible and it was (laughs) how'd you how'd you learn how'd you learn that quickly uh but yeah he's great and yeah he would just he'd come up with all of his own shit and and like I said sometimes him and Jeff if they if either of them came up with like a cool little riff in between uh in between some words or something they would kind of hash that out and do a little cool like kind of you know almost like thin Lizzy-y like co-co-lead with each other but yeah he he would he'd come up with everything I like I I be, I came up with the lyrics and the melody and the chords and that's and then they just ran with it. That's basically how our songwriting process was.
0: Another thing in Steve's mix I noticed is the bass. It's just it it was eq'd properly because yes. the the tone the tone and the and the parts are there. The playing's there, but uh, it just it sounds so good. The l- back half of the chorus here is and I could write you the perfect song and how everything's gone wrong and you could sing along. Uh the second half here a lead guitar part comes in kind of centered uh, right up the mm-hmm. middle. It's awesome. That yeah. that when that comes in there it needed something there.
1: Yeah, and I think that was just Jeff like it need something here. I'm going to overdub something, you know? Like. Yeah,
0: it, it, it's really good. And on the last line, the whole band slows down. Uh, and the way that you say along and you hold that out, it kind of says it all for me with this track. I feel disillusionment. I feel apathy. I feel some sadness. I kind of feel a case of the efforts, you know, come on. Yeah. Um, is that, is that yeah. fair to say that that was kind of how it was delivered? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I love that. And then something that's not on the Albini mix, that's on the original, unless this was supposed to be for the next (laughs) song. I don't know, but there's a spoken word.
3: I just called the girl that I go out with long distance. She told me she doesn't want to go out with me anymore. And then she hung up. Fucking hung
0: up on me long distance. I guess then when I get back home, I'll be alone again. I have a question about the spoken word. That's you, pit-shifted, right? No, it's it,
1: Henry Rollins. What? <laughs> it's from, uh, the statute of limitations is probably over. We probably won't get sued, but, uh... It's a sample from Henry Rollins' Get in the Van
0: audiobook. Oh, okay. And I read Get in the Van. I never heard the audiobook, but I somehow yeah. missed this. And it's, I just called the girl. So this is on the fade out of the song. You can still yeah. kind of hear the instruments kind of breaking up. And it says, I just called the girl that I go out with long distance. She told me she doesn't want to go out with me anymore. And then she hung up. Fucking hung up on me. Long distance, I guess. Then when I get back home, I'll be alone again. What was the deal with that? Just wanted something fun on the end? Yeah, we just we we used to listen
1: to it's like you said, with sam we'd put samples all over everything, we'd do whatever. Uh, I mean we we listen to get in the van, every van ride, I think. You know, like it was just we were just obsessed with it. And yeah, I don't know. I just thought it would be funny to put that at the end of the
0: uh The delivery of of Henry there and the way that you speak and you pause. (laughs) I swear it was you pitch shifting. I'm like, that that's (laughs) my That's so funny. (laughs) <laughs> no, yeah, we
1: it's it's a heavy Rollins sample and uh fun fact, uh it's it is not going to be on the remix. Okay. And only because we wanted to do something different with it, we actually wrote Henry to see if he would actually do it for us and he politely declined. Ah. Uh we asked Steve to do it and he <laughs> he, he politely declined. So we we're just we figured we'll just leave it as is. I kind of like in the uh in the in the remix, you kind of hear us kind of like bling, 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 mm-hmm. like
0: falling apart. and I kind of liked the way that sounded. and I got asked something I haven't asked what was the reason? Are you doing a reissue? What was the reason to remix uh, this song in particular? and did you do any other songs with Steve that he remixed?
1: We did the whole we re- did the whole record. Oh, the whole, wow. it'll it'll come out as a a twentieth anniversary reissue next year.
0: Oh, that's awesome as the,
1: and 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 the original's not going away. We're not going to take the original off of. Streaming or anything like that. But, but like I said, we basically just wanted to bring the, bring the album into kind of a, you know, at least high resolution audio and, you know, kind of make it not, you know, a little higher than CD quality now that, now that we can. And now that, now that there are streaming services that offer that and stuff like that.
0: So well for everybody listening AB it with the Steve Albini mix Steve Steve knocked it out of the park it sounds it sounds so good it reminds me of when all went back and and remixed their early stuff
1: Right and that's that's kind of where I was coming from and and that we didn't really want to change it but we just wanted to make it a little more pleasing to the ear I guess I mean I love that I love that all record that that has all the that kind of took the 80s off of those Early, yeah, early all records, you know, just made it just a little more
0: pleasing to my ear, you know, yeah, a little more in in your face. Well, hey, before we break here, uh, what's coming up with you, the band? What what do you you want to plug? What do you got? Well, um,
1: the ergs are we're gonna be playing some sporadic shows, we have nothing uh booked at the moment, uh, but we you guys playing fest this year in games, we're not playing fest. Uh, I'm playing solo but we're not we're not gonna play we played last year so we're gonna okay give it a give it a rest this year but we are yeah we're we're planning on so basically next year is we're gonna gear up for like we're reissuing the record in hopefully June uh for the 20th anniversary and then we'll probably do like you know weekend warrior stuff and hopefully doing some overseas stuff and you know stuff too and yeah I got a couple I got some solo stuff coming up like just regular shows here and there i have four solo albums that people can check out if they're uh so inclined and yeah i don't know same same old shit just look out for uh
0: look out for some ergs goodness next year heck yeah man well hey thanks so much for for not just being on the show today but for for listening and all the kind words recently when we hung out man it means a lot thank you
3: what does it mean when you can't let this go what does it mean when you know
2: i hope you all enjoyed that really fun episode with mikey erg but don't go anywhere we got lots more christa makes a podcast including the band you might not know and the rap segment coming up right after a few words from our sponsors
3: The the show Here's a band you might not
0: know. Welcome to this week's band You might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista to Makes a podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via MP3 only, and a short bio to Ban You might Not Know at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is Alex Casnell and the board of Directors from Cincinnati, Ohio, with Alex on guitar and vocals, Heather Sampanis on bass and vocals, and Brian Tall on drums their sound has been described as surprisingly unwhiny, a style they affectionately call pop punk for grown-ups. You can find their music on all the streaming platforms. Here's a snippet of their song, Victoria.
3: I'm so sorry, Victoria. I gotta have you as more than just a friend. I can tell that you knew what I was thinking. Open my mouth like a damn one. The phone bill. I can't stop thinking about you long enough to sleep. Nights with you are like a best of Motown CD. Tory you really got a hold on me. The rap with Chris and Chris.
2: So Chris, it was another story from a lifer about a song that just sort of fell out of him when he was young that went on to become a fan favorite we've heard it time and time again and it just seems to be the proven method for writing a great song man just let it flow absolutely
0: you know Mikey even said it he just he was a lot younger flying by the seat of his pants just writing stuff and and you just don't think about those things you don't you know like well, this is gonna be my breakout song I mean maybe some people do but it, he he definitely wasn't thinking that way it was just another tune and, and here we are uh, 20 years later and And people have gravitated to it
2: hardcore. He talked about that desperation. You can't fake that when you're writing a good song, especially if you're in a spot in your life where you're not necessarily happy. And how many of us, I'm not saying that any of us are ever completely happy, but maybe there's times in your life you're a little happier than other times. It's hard to write a really great song that resonates with people. Hey, that's just the way it is. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I'm saying it's, a little easier to write a song that people can relate to when you are actually feeling sad or angry or desperate. And that comes through not only in the song itself, but... The delivery of a vocal performance, people can hear that, people can feel that. This song is an example of that.
0: Yeah, there has been countless, and we've talked about this, Chris, countless songs that have been demoed and recorded by bands, that it isn't until Tina Turner or whoever sang the song that it became a massive hit because of that connection, the way that they sang it. That energy... That, that comes out of a person's mouth or through their hands and it lands onto to, to, to digital tape or whatever, there is something about that that is undeniable. There, there is something there that you, you know, it, it takes a special uh, a person
2: to create that. It's also really important, and you talked about that in this case, I mean, it could be a producer, it could be a bandmate, it could be a friend in the room, just that other set of ears in the room giving you some suggestions and some guidance when you're tracking your vocals. Chris, when we're recording this, it was last week that I was put through the ringer in a vocal tracking session. (laughs) It was in a new punchline song that I sing lead on. It was a seven or eight hours for one song where it was intense. And I think I got because of my friends pushing me to the limit. I think I might have gotten my best vocal performance ever. I hope so anyway. Uh, But man, oh man, how important that is. Uh, to have that other set of ears in the room. I know that's probably important to you as well, I think, yes. right? it, To have Roger or somebody, right? Oh,
0: for sure. It's, yeah, it sounds like you got the jockey straps a- across the back for eight hours the other day.
2: I sure did. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: and, I, and, and I've been there in the hot seat. Yeah, for me, it's always, my voice is the one thing that I always let somebody else edit my vocals. I'll have Roger edit them. I hear all the nuances. I just can't do it, you know? But um, yeah, it's, uh, I'd like to think, and I've talked about this before, I'd like to think, that uh, having that kind of critical producer in there with me over the years has just made me a better singer. So hopefully you came out better.
2: I think maybe that would be the case. Chris, I know you've had this experience. I had it the other day where you're working with somebody who the person you're working with is a great singer themselves, So they're telling you how to sing this thing. And you're like, Oh my God, I wish I could emulate what you're doing right now. Like I want you to breathe in on this line and I want you to swoop up. And then I want you to come down on, and you step up to the mic and it's time to deliver the line. And it's just like someone's pitching a baseball at you and you just step up and like, okay, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> is it going to happen? And sometimes Magically, it does, but it is hard, man. It takes a lot of takes. Sure, and it sounds like you know
0: uh, Chris Pierce, this producer, uh, really was just a recording engineer. Mikey said he wasn't in there trying to, you know, hey, you should put a bridge part here, but he was that extra set of ears. He was the extra person to bounce an idea off of, and sometimes that's uh, really crucial in the studio.
2: Hey, I also love the story you told early in the episode about how you know you you got to talking to Mikey about this. How about? how they would just go out and do what they want with no regard to what the audience might think. (laughs) I don't think that I've... That's like something I've always dreamt about doing because you know what band I always heard about doing that, especially earlier in their career, was Ween. Ween would go out in front of the most hostile crowd and just do the most ridiculous thing and piss off the crowd. And I always thought that's so funny and it takes so, so much guts to go out and do that. And it's so... I think that's so cool. I've never had the guts myself, at least collectively with a band, to just go out and like, hey, let's just go out and do this thing we want to do. Who cares what people think? I think that is awesome when bands do that. Yeah, I've never been able to
0: take it to the nth degree like that either. But I saw a number of right. bands, uh, one eye open from <laughs> California years ago. They, you know, they, oh they, yeah, they, they, they'd open with a Striper cover and clear, clear, clear the room. <laughs> you know, and and they didn't care. You know. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome.
2: I I really enjoyed this episode. Sometimes when I listen to our episodes with an artist who is truly punk rock in their approach, you know, uh, it makes me realize (laughs) or makes me think sometimes, maybe I'm not that punk rock. Maybe I'm just a, I'm a pop artist. (laughs) You know, like I want everything to be so pristine and it doesn't need to be too resonate with people, you know, and to be a great punk rock band. Uh, and I think that's what Mikey is. And I think that's what the ergs are. Yeah. And 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 they have their
0: own sound because of it. If you were to take this band and line it up on a grid and a click, tune all the vocals, make sure all the guitars are perfectly in tune, all the drum hits line up, then it's going to sound like some stale pop punk band uh, run of the mill, you know, and it it
2: doesn't sound like that at all here. It really is. There'd be it'd be very easy to take a band like the Ergs. Yeah, like you said, put them on the grid, make everything pristine, and all of a sudden you're going to lose a big chunk of what makes this band special. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna
0: you're gonna lose that personality. And uh, I'll say it again: sometimes that personality that comes across and lands on tape, it can't be replaced.
2: Speaking of tape, Chris, real quick, I never heard in my life. I don't know. I must be living under a rock about people baking. Yeah that baking the tape. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine doing that. That's crazy. I've never heard of that. Yeah. There's like a tape oxidization that
0: happens and the information that's on the tape. I And we could, we could Google this and look up the exact thing, but basically you have to rebake it into the tape. It loses that over wow. time. Yeah. Yeah. And he's uh he's the first person to bring it up here. And I, I wanted to tell the audience, I didn't want them to think that, you know, like baked, what, you know, was he uh, making dinner in the middle of the tape? Like, I wanted them to know that that uh, this was actually uh, a real
2: thing. Yeah, you learn something new every episode. I do, anyway. Absolutely. Learn something new every episode of Chris to Makes a Podcast. You know where else you learn something new, Chris? Uh, I think I do, Chris. Would that be on the after party? It sure would be. The after party. It is our bonus episode each week. If you go sign up for the supporting cast at com, you can be part of you know, a bonus episode every week where we try to bring you a lot of knowledge. We have a lot of really good episodes coming up, Chris, even ones that we're going to record tomorrow morning, which uh, you're going to learn a lot of things in these ones we have coming up, Chris, as are, our listeners. Well, I can't wait. Again,
0: go to ChrisDemakes.com. You can sign up for the supporting cast and you'll be helping Chris and I out. If you haven't already, please give me a follow on Instagram at less than Chris D. And I'm still doing those custom songs. Get at me. ChrisDemakes at gmail.com. I'd love to write you with that special someone a song or even a jingle for your business. Hit me up. ChrisDemakes at gmail.com. And I want to thank this week's guest, Mikey Erg, for sitting in the hot seat.
2: And we'll see you next week. Hey, Chris makes a podcast producer. Chris Fafalius here. You may have heard me talk about my band Punchline before. Maybe you already know us or maybe you're hearing about us for the first time right now. It doesn't matter. No matter what your relationship with Punchline is, I will absolutely guarantee that you'll love our new podcast, A Band Called Punchline. Starting with our humble beginnings in a small town in southwestern Pennsylvania in 1997, we're telling the hilarious, strange, and hopefully inspiring story of the 25-plus years of our band in the most honest way possible, podcast style. A Band Called Punchline is an audio documentary available now wherever you get your pods, so subscribe and let me and my friends share a wild, entertaining, unique, and wonderful tale of music and perseverance unlike any other that's still being written today. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
3: Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media podcast network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers, all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com.